The Outstanding Society was asked to provide a learning lounge at the residential and home care show held at the XL London in April 2023. We were very lucky to have such amazing panellists throughout the show, which made the sessions not only informative, but also fun. This podcast is a recording of one of our panel discussions. The Visitor, Creating Meaningful Connections. James Rycroft and Samantha Crawley discuss how to educate visitors to get the best out of a visit for not only them, but the person they visit. They are joined by Alex Ball, Operation Manager at Stowe Healthcare and Operations Director of Stowe Healthcare and OS Director, Ruth French. The importance of visiting. So I was having a chat with Samantha a few months ago and uh, she sparked something in me which I thought was fundamentally interesting and fundamentally important. So for me (coughs) and my history of care, when I was six years old, I was taken to see my great grandma in a care home and I didn't like it and actually I felt really scared about it. It just intimidated me and it's because I'm not used to the environment and it did get me thinking because Samantha, who has a lot of genius behind her, said that she's actually training people, visitors, inspiring people to come because, you know, visiting in a care home is unbelievably important to me. It creates the home. It, you know, and it, people feed off it and for residents and for staff and their well-being, it's fundamentally important. So whilst, and we know the importance of it as well through COVID when people couldn't visit. So for me, you know, these guys have got some genius uh, approaches to inspiring people and, and pushing people and, and tr- actually training people, which seems really odd to train people to be visitors. It's not the right word, is it, training? educating people and making people feel (laughs) familiar so Sam tell me about what you've put in place and how this came about for your from your point of view cool no worries I think we I suppose helping people interact with people in a different space is a hard thing to do as human beings we don't love change we're not really good at it despite the fact that everything is changing all day every day we're not brilliant with it so when something happens like a loved one moves into a care home there's a whole load of feelings attached with that typically guilt sometimes anger of letting go of a life that once was often there's carer guilt but then there's another thing that's attached which is even more difficult which is resentment about not being the person that person needs anymore so resentment to team members resentment for that love that's built in in care homes and that can that's very very hard for people to navigate so when somebody moves into a care home you've got a family who are left with a huge bag of emotions and they just don't know what to do with them and so that's when you see things like um, family members saying well Mum always did this, so you need to do this. And they always did this, so you need to do that. Whereas actually, what that person is really saying is, my mum needed me, and now I have to let that go. But I need you to do this for me, because I need to feel that I still have input into what's happening with my mum. So listening is key. So what we did was, we set up um, webinars for families. that So online webinars where families could come on and talk and talk about visiting, talk about people living with dementia, talk about all kinds of things. 
And what that actually brought up was a lot of people said they really found it difficult to have conversations when they were coming in to see their loved one. Because actually, if you visit somebody every day, what do you talk about? Like, what, what do I talk, what, how do I do that? As humans, it's really hard. People found it even more difficult when somebody lived with a dementia. So they had all of those feelings going on. And something that came up as a theme was a feeling of shame, which is worse than any guilt, and much more insipid, and much more difficult to shift. So people needed ways to kind of in, engage in conversation. They needed ways to have those conversations and found that very, very difficult. So one of the things we did was we, for people living with dementia, we asked families to create visiting boxes, essentially. So things in, in a box that they could actually have discussions about with that individual which sounds very crazy, but actually a lot of people jumped at that because it was something they could do. So they could go and, and actually make a box, felt as though they were involved in doing that, and then could use that as a tool when they came and the, and the discussion lulled or they didn't quite know what to say or something was said and they didn't know how to respond. Um, I think the, the truth though is, is we talked about the feeling of lack of control we talked about the feeling of guilt we talked about the feeling of shame and feeling as though you know you'd been pushed into a decision and all of these things because actually families are going through this hell all day every day i went through it with my own dad when he was dying last year i went through it with my brother he he died of covid and we went through that same thing that lack of control as a family is very very hard and this is where you might get sorry i'll, I'll stop talking in a second but <clears throat> where you get family members who are constantly like, they're like, you know, helicopter parents, you get helicopter visitors, you know, so you kind of get, that's because they don't trust us and that's okay. I say to people, and I said in these webinars, we don't expect you to trust us. It takes time, that's a relationship that builds. And we seem to think we can move somebody into a care home and those people are meant to just trust us. Who said? Who said they should trust us? That we have to build that up. So actually the more helicopter you see, that means the more anxiety and fear that's attached to that and that actually we need to address that instead of actually moving away from it. And do you find that, that, that people are, are, are willing to be involved and to open up? Because it's kind Definitely. of therapy really in it, a way, isn't it? Yeah, and I, what I found was, I, I've done these kind of things for a few years face to face, you know, in, in family meetings, so you'd have these. But actually with the webinars, more men attended, so more husbands of and sons attended webinars than ever came face to face so we ended up having an awful lot of discussions and then of course the men supported each other as well and we actually ended up with like for example in one particular home these two old gentlemen whose wives were living in the home became the best of friends from those webinars and they still go out now for lunch both wives have passed away but they have a lovely friendship that was formed from that so you're creating a support entity around people, you're creating a safe space to talk and yes people lean into it and not always immediately. There was one person who attended webinars for six months never said a word, just listened and then one day it all okay. poured out and yeah. she was like oh my god this is what's going on. So I think give people space to be and they will. I think one of the things that's been really successful in my homes uh, uh, Vida Healthcare up, up in up in Yorkshire is we look after people living with dementia of all stages and um, what we've put together is some family liaison groups because people like you're saying yeah. people really start to open up and feed off each other 
and, and kind of take take solace in each other really when we made a commitment and we openly talk about it all the time is that you know we're very honored to be trusted to look after people's loved ones but alongside that and arguably as importantly we have a commitment to families to hold their hands through this process uh, and we find that that is all-encompassing and it you know it's it's the right thing to be doing and we find that as a result of that and our openness our visiting is the levels that we have of visiting is very very high but I'd like to work on it more and that's really what sparked this debate because you know I think I'll be introducing our dementia awareness training and offer that to every yeah. single family member so that it becomes norm so people are used to this because what I'd really like to see is kids visiting more grandchildren oh, visiting more because they bring the building to life and older people in general love their in general yeah. love <laughs> Their, uh, their, their grandkids. Ruth, Stowe Healthcare, tell me about what, what you do to, to inspire and, and, and assist with your visitors and your family members. Well, I've kind of stepped in to be lovely Penny, who's unwell today and, and can't be here. And I was, I was actually, as I've been sitting here, James, I've completely changed what I was going to say. Oh, no. Good. You need to st st stick on the subject, though. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I am going to stick on the subject, <laughs> but I think what's most relevant to me now is I'm a visitor. Yes. Right. True. So, and I'm, I hope I can say all of this without crying, because I've cried a lot <laughs> in the last few weeks. But a month ago, my mum, age 71, had to move into one of our care homes. And for me... Honestly, I can absolutely understand the trauma of having to put your loved one into care. Yeah. Christ, even when it's my own care home. And I know all of those staff. And actually, my mum used to work with us. She used to run the care home with us. She employed 50% of those staff. Um, and it's been really interesting now looking at this from a different yeah. perspective and that of a visitor my mum is lucky she is so popular and i keep saying mum it is your fault you have so many visitors because you've been the ultimate hostess your entire life and now everyone wants to come and spend time with you and isn't that a fantastic position to be in but you're right james it is about how we support our visitors and dementia is a really key example of that my mum doesn't have dementia she's got a complex neurological condition that means she has full capacity but she can barely communicate now and what we're having to look at with her visitors is supporting them in a completely different way because she can't have conversations like she used to so we're having to support them to understand actually it's better to come in twos yeah. because mum wants to hear all of your gossip because she absolutely loves the gossip <laughs> but she can't really participate in that conversation we're having to put together kind of icon sheets so I've been working with the care staff to help her be able to communicate her needs both to the staff but also to visitors and then we had the speech and language therapist visiting Zoe are you crying I'm just checking, okay, because don't cry. <laughs> I will be set off and I'm holding it together. You are welcome. The speech and language therapist visited and she said, actually, what we need to have is that key circle of the 10 people who visit mum the most 
because we will put together conversation prompts that are relevant to those visitors because then mum is going to be able to point to those and that you know it's a question about well you know how's your grand grandson William or you know tell me about how things are going at bridge club so things that mum can then use to stimulate that conversation that encourage those visitors to keep coming because we've created a comfortable environment for them to do that and I think for our residents who are living with the most complex conditions we have to start thinking much more widely about how we can involve our residents, our loved ones, in those day-to-day -day conversations. So I hope you don't mind me coming at it from no, that angle, but I think this is something that I've never genuinely had to think about before, and suddenly it's sort of front and centre. I think, you know, it's astonishing, Ruth. That's why you're an outstanding provider, because there's never a better example of truly person-centred care. You know, and you know, it's very. It must be incredibly emotional for looking after a family member. Um, but you know, all things. You know, good things come out of bad situations, don't they? And you know, in terms of your whole, uh, you know, overview of your business, you know, I think it, it can only be a positive. You know, I, I, going back to dementia care. You know, we have a lot of incidents where where people go well what's the point in me coming now because mum or a friend they just don't recognize me and sometimes they don't even communicate you know I don't feel and I find it very upsetting to be there so what we have done recently is we did some research with UCL and what we did was they, they measured the brain patterns of people in certain situations and I will try not to cry on this bit as well but the the, the main focus the, the ideal participant was someone with advanced dementia that was non-communicative um, because they can't tell people how they feel and uh, we, we put them in various scenarios and one of them was the in, introduction of a family member into the room to see if they react and recognized and there's a lady who comes to see her husband every day all day and we were monitoring his brain we put him in front of different scenarios and when she walked in the room i'm not very technical on this Pleasure the happy sentence. side straight through the roof and it just i just thought of that moment that is unbelievable evidence that every single person not only deserves but you know we should demand it it's it's a breakthrough we know exactly what it is and it's a fact and it was incredibly moving and for the family member not that it would have made any difference but in terms of her visiting but you know it changed her world overnight because she knew that her husband knew she was there you know and it was amazing so you know it's another reason by the way off subject slightly but to be involved with research because yeah. you find out these nuggets which can be life-changing and they can affect our care plans etc and how and how we deliver that so anyway I made it I didn't cry well done Alex, Alex is also from Stowe Healthcare. I'm sorry, I've not been a very good host because actually I should have said at the start that Penny can't make it. So I have... I covered that bit for you. I know, I know, I know. So, uh, so Ruth French, Stowe Healthcare, Alex, Stowe Healthcare. So tell us about your experiences on, on, on this. So I might be able to cover some of the stuff that Ruth was originally going to cover. Um, 
in terms of the stuff we do to engage people and to get people in the homes and through the threshold as it were because kind of goes back to what James was saying at the beginning of his first experience of the care home was when he was younger and it wasn't very nice and it kind of puts people off and terrifies them so um, one thing we've been really engaged with is getting like schools and students into the home to bring them over the threshold and change the perception and that's something which is every single one of yours job to do um, to kind of work with that and change the perceptions of visiting and visiting care settings and we're all providing outstanding care and we want people to come in and see that so we brought in some students and they did some of their infection control module for their A-levels and GCSEs with us in the homes and they learnt it better than they would sitting in a classroom because they're seeing how that is applied in an actual real life setting and they, we, we, were, we were a bit honest with them and said how many of you were dreading your visit today and how many thought oh god I've got to get up and come and do this here and they kind of put their hand up and then we said keep it up if that's how you still feel and then they all put their hands down because they came in and we've got really grand buildings and we we provide some really outstanding care and they were shocked at what we were able to do and you know from that we've got work experience we've got Saturday jobs and that's kind of in terms of staffing that's how you change perceptions but going back to engaging families and it kind of goes along the journey that Sam and Ruth were talking about of the building trust and then kind of getting involved with things and this is really Ruth's baby and something she's been um, kind of building up over the last couple of years is we've been involved in Dying Matters Awareness Week and kind of breaching that taboo subject is something that's going to happen and how do we have those conversations and how do we support families with that terrible prospect but doing it in the best way possible so we've kind of opened our doors as providers and put on a series of webinars that different years there's so many topics isn't there that we've had so I mean just to give you an example to give you an example that's really pertinent to what we're talking about now um, and if you have a look on my LinkedIn profile, Ruth French, you'll you'll find a poster for Dying Matters Week. A lot of the events are virtual, and it would be lovely if any of you wanted to join in. They're all free to access. But we've got a session um, around understanding end of life, and I've got one of the end of life champions in one of my homes, and a family member. And this family member was there to support her mum. She didn't leave the care home for nine days last year when her mum was dying. And she was supported through all of that time by all of my staff, but in particular the end of life champion. And what we did to try and make that experience the very best it could be is make sure that that daughter understood everything that was happening in that room physically to her mum, mentally to her mum, helping her understand what she could contribute at that phase of her life, because I think people often feel a bit useless. So actually, how can we support them to show them how they could do mouth care, to encourage them to do gentle hand massage or arm massage, 
to put on lovely music in the room. All of those things that this family member has told me have massively improved her bereavement process after her mum's death. So she is now going to be coming back and speaking as part of Dying Matters Week to look at how we can support all of our relatives moving forward to have these honest conversations to help them feel engaged and part of what is such a critical time to get right. So that's, you know, it's one specific example. And I guess it's it's training yeah. in a very broad yeah. sense of the word. Yeah. I think it's uh, the practical things as well. So we cover some of the power of attorney and wills and that kind of thing that is obviously practical to have in place. A lot of people don't know the information around power of attorney and the importance of it. So it's kind of helping us to get those key things in place but then also deal with the emotionally sensitive side of it and kind of goes back to what Sam says it might be the people that they don't really engage but they turn up to the webinar and they listen in but then when the time comes it's actually really made a real difference to their experience and that's what they remember there's a few things Jane do you have for me to help you carry on please so you talk you talk just talk about giving purpose and and purpose being one of the keystones of humanness. We can't be a human if we don't feel purpose. And we all need that. And so I see visiting as well as actually, we need to turn it on its head a little bit, kind of flip the script a bit as well, in that actually the people who live in our care homes still need purpose. And I was doing an article for something the other night and actually, I was telling you yesterday, wasn't I? I added up, so if you've got a 60 bed care home, the average age is between 82 and 84. So that means you've got about 5,000 years of lived experience in that one home, in the people that live there. And so how can we help them feel purposeful by giving away what they've learned by living and getting them to actually feel purposeful in actually giving away what they know. And actually it's not just about the visitor coming in and giving a resident something. Actually the people who live in the care homes could run rings around us on how to live life. So how are we helping them actually give that information away? Um, when I, I, I was a single parent with three kids a long time ago, they're all grown up now. But literally the people in my care home that I managed brought my children up. I did not, okay? They did it all. And the kids knew which one to go to for maths and which one to go to for English and which one to go to for sweets. They knew the whole thing. But it's a, we talk about it takes a village to raise a child, but actually the purpose that that gave the people who lived in our care home was unreal. And it made me think about, well, all my family were in Ireland, and so it was just us and uh, me and the kids. And then it made me think about, well, how many other kids don't have older, uh, older people to talk to and work with? So we went down to the local school and we said, does anybody need a grandparent? Because we've got loads of them, you know? And actually a lot of kids got involved in having grandparents. And my daughter, she's 30 today, she's still in touch with the family who she chose as her grandparents. And so, the, but actually we didn't give that people who lived in the care home anything. They gave us everything. And they taught us how to navigate life in a way that we couldn't know because we didn't have that experience. And so for me, it's really important we don't lose the 5,000 years. It's really important that we utilise that in our communities and for people, and that people feel purpose every day. Sorry, I'm a bit passionate about that, but you know, people in care homes have, can give if we give them the opportunity to give. 
mean, we we look at older people in care homes and think we need to actually give them. No, they know, they know. They can give it to us and they can give it to us in spades. So remember always, don't lose the 5,000 years. That would be my first thing. It's an amazing uh, <clears throat> outlook on stuff and it's all about enabling people, isn't it? Yes. Enabling to enable, because we often, we were talking about in another webinar, we were talking um, in another presentation and it's, uh, we often, with kindness, and with all the right intentions, we often disable people oh. with kindness. And even down to the buttering of toast and oh, the pouring yeah, of absolutely. milk and the doing of these things. And actually, we shouldn't be doing that. No, we shouldn't. For me, um, you know, one thing that's worked really well for me and became really apparent is that in lockdown, when people couldn't visit, yeah. what we tried to do, and I found that amazingly that people you know of an older age say 90 years old really engage with a piece of glass an iPhone and talk to their family on FaceTime or whatever it is and it really worked so what we did because going back to the wider scale it's about creating a community and involving people and the more people you involve the more people then get involved because it, it you know it, it's enticing so the app for the OS is one that I developed in-house for my business and we then we call it team talk and we use that to communicate with all of our staff and do training and announcements and celebrations in the pandemic what happened was I, I, I just adapted it and called it family team talk and it became a social media platform and it became um, and this is from the mouths of residents that used it and families that it was an absolute lifeline because what it did was continue to develop that community when we couldn't really do we didn't have any yeah. other options and it was astonishing because it get it kept people in in touch on a daily basis and we were doing all sorts of things it, it was similar to Facebook effectively how we operated it but the results of it were astonishing and it kept that so when people came back to visit they knew what was going on in the home they felt familiar and it's all about being familiar and Ruth you were going to say something I think Yes, what I was going to say is, let us not um, limit visitors to yeah. people who are directly connected to exactly. our residents. Yeah. So um, some of the most important visitors in our homes are our volunteers. Yes. Um, we've got retired staff who run a bereavement cafe in one of our homes. We've got um, a family they are connected to a resident they're not actually coming in to see their loved yeah. one they just want to volunteer and be in the garden and do the weeding and create a beautiful environment and the residents absolutely love that we've got Can um I just talk about one that's so we do our own internal awards and i'm coming currently going through nominations for that and we've this year we've um no inspirational volunteer category um we've put out this year and one person in particular has had so many nominations and he's the grandson of one of the activities coordinators who came into the home to do some gardening outside because he's autistic yeah. he is and he really struggles with communication and he didn't want to be involved with the people he just wanted to be in the garden and do his thing and he was painting the planters and then all of a sudden a resident would come out and then he found himself engaging with the resident sort of having conversations and then that kind of grew and grew and grew and sort of six months later he's coming in as a kind of chaperone and will take residents out to appointments and it kind of goes back to what Sam was saying. They've actually given him something that 
he never knew he was going to have and have really changed his life and the way that he communicates with other people and he would never have done that had he not volunteered at the home so i'm just can i come in on children course, yeah. yeah so in my in in previous role we had we had early onset house like little house for people who lived with early onset dementia and we had had obviously lots of children visit our care homes it happens all day every day but when your dad or your mummy is 40 and lives with dementia and you're an eight-year-old who's going to school it's a whole nother ball game and and how to ha how to have conversations the truth was we didn't know we didn't know how to do it so we brought together kids to help tell us how we're going to help talk to other kids about the situation that they were in and they actually wrote a little book about how to navigate somebody they love living with dementia and that then helped also grandchildren who were coming in but but i think a lot of the time i i, I what i'm I supposed to say is is that we can be educated in all different ways my three biggest teachers in my life have been my children they still are you know they they tell me they teach me a lot all the time and and i think sometimes we just need to remember that relationships are fluid and we give and we take and we take and we give but that actually we need to keep that going so that would be really a, a key thing for me and if you can get children to talk about how they feel about dementia it's a whole other world actually and like what a lot of the kids they, they were, it, some of the things that they were doing was quite funny like one of them said it's great all i need to do if i want chocolate i go and get the chocolate and then i go and ask that can i have chocolate and he says yes because <laughs> because he forgot he gave her the chocolate but and the other kid was going i can do that and they going, no that wasn't the point of today no but but it's just quite interesting the way people think you know so um so sorry did i do something wrong Oh, time. I'm time. talking too much again. Oh, sorry. But anyway, can minute. I just say one more thing on education? You can. Eating that, and drinking and nutrition. Um, we did a whole thing on our webinars about idzy and and actually swallow because swallow, family members often say, "But my dad has teeth. He can eat whatever he wants." And of course, we know it's often not to do with sweets. So showing family members visit and visitors a video on actually what happens when people are trying to swallow and what can go wrong actually was one of the biggest game changers we ever did because they were going oh now I get it we tried to explain it so many times but actually those videos and sharing that information another piece of education really help people understand as well you know, it's about outside the box thinking and you guys are clearly doing that and you. In, in, in spades yeah maybe maybe myself as well but you know um, you know, for me, it's about understanding, it's about empathising, not only with the residents, not only with the staff, but with visitors to create a community. And yeah. I think, you know, it's a journey, isn't it? But, you know, I learn things from you guys and, I'm, you know, steal lots of ideas all the time. The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.